Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. First Corinthians chapter 11, let's look at verse number 14. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? We preached on that last Thursday. Now we're on verse 15. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. Hebrews 10 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Uh, we all know that verse. It's a familiar passage of scripture. And we would we would concede, we would say amen to, amen to that. That is a fearful thing. Ephesians chapter 5, it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And we would say amen to that. It is a shame. We shouldn't be speaking about unfruitful works of darkness. We should be reproving them. And we would say amen. Now, this, this chapter, especially just a few verses in this chapter, speak to something that we should take heed to. We talked about this before. This isn't the major of, of Christianity. And if you want to you know, divide it into majors and minors, we would obviously say that salvation is the most important thing someone needs to know. But this is written to Christians. And we said last week, we don't want to disregard verses, but we want to regard them, put them in their place, and then move on. And it says, but if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. Now, so the question is, ladies, are you fixing your hair for your defined glory or for God's definition of glory? Are you dressing how you want to dress? And this goes for men, too, or are you wanting to honor the Lord? It all comes back to anything we do in the Christian life. Why are we doing what we're doing? Should be for the Lord. Our questions should be phrased in a way that helps bring it back to God, no matter what we do, even if it's a small thing like hair. Keep in mind in the garden, what's the big deal about eating fruit off of one tree? It's just a piece of fruit. God said, don't do it. If you're a Christian and the first thing that you ask yourself is, what do I like rather than what does God like? We need to rephrase our questioning. Um, since when just because something is an inconvenience or something is hard to do or something is, well, it wouldn't be my first choice. Why do we why do we always argue for ourselves? I'm asking myself the same question. We do that. You get in an argument with your friend. You argue for yourself, not for him. You get in an argument with your spouse, you argue for your position, not your spouse's position. When we go to God's word, 
Let's not argue with God. Let's ask our questions in the position of, Lord, what do you say? What do you like? What do you want? Verse number 14. Ask this question. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. There's a distinctiveness that God has created. We know, we all of us know as Christians that the whole feminist movement is in direct rebellion against God's word. We know that as Christians. Long hair has always been a symbol of femininity. It has always been a symbol of God's order. It doesn't save you. It doesn't get you more saved than anyone else. But either, but neither does baptism. Baptism doesn't save us. We know that. That's why we have Baptist on the sign to show a distinction so that when people drive by or they would come in, they would know, oh, that's a Baptist church. They believe baptism for believers in immersion by water. Now, with that said, if we baptize somebody on Sunday, that don't get them saved. And don't make them more saved than anybody else. We want to follow the Lord in believers baptism. Now, let me back up and qualify uh, a thought. By no means am I suggesting that verses 5 and 6 in 1 Corinthians 11 and verses 14 and 15 in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 are anywhere near of significance as believers baptism. Okay. I understand that hair is way, 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 way down there on the list. And believers baptism is way, 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 way up there on the list for believers. So just to qualify that, but we're on these verses, so we're going to preach through them. Go to Romans chapter one, and we'll spend a few minutes there. Romans chapter one, verse. Twenty-six, Romans one twenty-six, uh, verse twenty-five. Rather, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever? Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is a, against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned their lust one toward another. And we see that that vileness is against God's natural order. And what even makes it more depraved is that we talked about this when we preached through Romans 1. It says, for even their women. In other words, it went that far. It's supposed to be the more. I started to say the more pure of the sexes, the more innocent of the sexes. But man is so depraved that even the women, the women lost all concept of God's natural use. Completely wicked behavior. 
And you know what we see around college campuses all over? You know what we see all over liberal media? You know what we see all over? No shame in this type of behavior. It's We are way past out of the closet. People are marching in streets and doing it without any shame. That's where we're at. Look at Romans chapter 2 verse 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are law unto themselves. We see a little bit of a difference here as I'm contrasting uh, the use of the word natural or nature, but you got Gentiles. Because when you get to Romans chapter 2, we're working our way through. We see God's going to identify the Jew toward the end of the chapter. But what we just read is we've got Gentiles. They weren't given the law by God. So without the law, what does it say? They're doing by nature the things contained in the law. Well, how can a Gentile who is not given the law by God be, be doing by nature the things contained in the law? It's got to be his revealed conscience. It's got to be, there's a natural way, there's natural order, and that Gentile recognized that. Look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse, verse number 3, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the, love of, in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now, if you're saved, are you saved tonight? If you are, praise God. That's what you were. <laughs> That's what you were by nature. A children, a child of wrath. No time whatsoever prior to your conversion. Were you or I ever anything but a child of wrath and were by nature very easily described here in the Bible by God of who we were? That means it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican, liberal or conservative. Because God's so conservative that everybody's wicked. And that was your nature. You were a child of wrath, of wrath. And so you know what that means? All you would do, could do is sin and sin and sin and sin. Because you were a child of wrath. That was your nature. This is why we bring the gospel to this lost and dying world. Go over to Second Peter and we'll get the contrast of that. Second Peter. Chapter number one, second Peter, chapter number one. This is for saved individuals. 
And it says in chapter number one, verse number four, whereby are given unto us, that would be believers, exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. You became something. You've got a different nature now as a believer that you had prior to your conversion. And you were given that by God. Ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Look at this. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Doesn't God tell us in his word that he always provides a way of escape? The escape from the corruption found prior to your conversion. By nature, a sinner. Uh, a child of wrath. God gave you something when you were when he when he saved you. You've got a new nature. You've got a new nature. That tells me that if I tap into that new nature, I can live a life that is glorifying to God. If I don't tap into that new nature, oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> I am yielding to the flesh, not the spirit. Two natures. Two natures. In 1 Corinthians 11, God sets out a distinction of nature. It doth not even nature itself teach you. There's a feminine nature. There's a masculine nature. And that's what God is teaching in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Let's go back to that chapter. And let's look at real quickly verse number 5 and 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. It would not be natural to walk around and see women with their head shaved or their head shorn. It wouldn't be a natural thing. We wouldn't look at that and say, well, that's God. That's God given. Verse number five. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if, as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Pause. Look at the end of verse 15. For her hair is given her for a covering. What's the covering? The hair. Her glory, verse 15. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory. So what God's saying is it's natural to see women with longer hair than men. How long? God doesn't give us inches. He doesn't give us millimeters. He doesn't give us yards. He just says long versus short. He wants women to have longer hair than men. And if she doesn't, do you see the extreme picture that God gives in verses five and six? Then she might as well just be shaved bald. She might as well just go around with her head uh, shorn. Now, no woman would do that. No Christian woman would do that. And so God's using that as, as, a, as a picture to show. That's what I'm saying. It's natural for a woman to have longer hair than a man. 
Look at Revelation chapter number nine. There's something here that it's an interesting verse regarding the locusts that God will send. Revelation nine. Revelation nine. Look at verse six. Revelation nine six. And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. That's a bad place to be <laughs> and the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold and their faces were as the faces of men and they had hair as the hair of women women and their teeth were as the teeth of lions you know what a lion's teeth looks like right God's given a picture here. A horse just, you know, all decked and ready for battle. You, you get a picture of that. Um, a man's face, you, you, you know what a man's face looks like. And then when it says, for they had hair as the hair of women, what's the picture of that? Naturally, that would be, it's got to be long hair. Because God sets forth his distinction in, in the Bible for that. Bryn Mawr College in 1903, 1903, it's a long time ago. Two girls from Chicago went to that college. They called a huge, they caused a huge ruckus on campus because they came to campus in short hair. They'd cut all their hair off. Now, this is 1903. This isn't ecologist nowadays. And you know what's stuck at that campus? Even today on that campus in 2022, all the way through from 1903 all the way to now, there's a rite of passage. It's called the Bryn Mawr Chop. And what it is, is girls get rid of their long feminine hair in exchange for a more business-like or modern haircut. It's considered a milestone for the girls at Bryn Mawr College. One Bryn Mawr College girl tells the story. Uh, she, she goes there first semester. Um, she, she cuts her, uh, her hair shorter to come to her shoulders. And then by the second semester, she practically cuts everything off. Now, it's also a way at that college and in other um, in, in, in other colleges and um, it's a way to come out nowadays to say you're queer now, now for some disclosure I know plenty of good brothers that have long hair and the last thing you would call them is queer okay and I know plenty of good sisters that have short hair. And the last thing you would call them is queer. So by way of disclosure, no way am I saying you can look at somebody's haircut and determine what's in their heart. That's the most ridiculous thing you can come up with. Your heart is more important than your hair. Okay? But I am saying in that culture, that's the first thing that goes. One of the first things that goes. And I believe in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, 
God is emphasizing the seriousness of the issue. How long is long is the question. How about long enough to cover your hand? <laughs> okay. How about everybody that looking at you would know that you're a female or would know that you're a male? People want how long? People want inches. People want what's the length? And God just says long or short. If, if you have doubts, then it's too short. If a man has doubts, then it's too long. Philippians 1 says that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Are you sincere before the Lord? Okay. Look at another thing in verse number 15. You see where it says, for her hair is given her for a covering. And do you see in verse number four where it says having his head covered and then verse number five with her head uncovered? Do you remember when we preached through verses five and six? The way that uh, preachers come up with the argument that a woman's hair is not enough. And they say that you need an additional artificial covering. They'll go to the Greek and they'll find the Greek word catechalupto in verses number five and six. And we went through and we preached on that. And we defined it means to cover. That's what it means. Or to veil. Now, if it's to cover or to veil, the Greek word catechalupto would be a verb. Okay, it would be a verb. When you get to verse 15. The reason they still, well, we went through a lot of reasons. One of the reasons they still argue that you ladies need to have uh, an additional covering on top of your head is because the Greek word used in verse number 15 is not catechalupto. It's parabolian. I'm not a Greek major, as you can tell. Parabolian is a word that means cover or veil, covering or veiling. In other words, you've got a Greek word in the fifth and the sixth verse that would be a verb to cover, to veil. You've got another Greek word in the 15th verse that is a noun. And that is the difference. One is a verb, one is a noun. What is the covering here? In verse five and six, it's to cover or to veil. It's not a veil. It's to veil. And to veil means to cover. Verse number 15, you have a noun. That covering is defined as hair. It's not, well, I've got two Greek words, so they can't mean the same. One has to be hair and one has to be another covering. That's not so. It's a verb versus a noun. That's all it is. That's all it is. So, ladies, you don't have to be distraught that if you see someone, you know, walking around uh, town or you go to a, a, 
a Mennonite community or an Amish community, and you see that they have something on top of their head, that's what they want to do, fine. They're free to do it. No one's going to stop them. But you don't have to feel like you're disobeying God if you don't have something additional on your head. I really believe in chapter 11, the only thing God's talking about is hair. That's it. That's it. All right, 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 4. Verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that's the little G God, God has relinquished temporary control, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Everybody that you witness to that's lost, they are blinded. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. It don't matter what type of haircut somebody has out in that world. You are to shine something that needs to give them glory. And it ain't hair. It's nothing physical you could grow or put on or wear or look like. You are blinded. And you need the glorious gospel. So when we go out into this world, we don't say, quit living this way. Quit acting this way, quit talking like that, quit dressing like that, quit going to those places like that, because none of that will get them glory. None of them will get them from the nature of being a child of wrath to the divine nature that we talked about in First Peter or Second Peter. We have to shine upon them the glorious gospel of Christ. That's the glory they need. That's the covering they need. And we've got to get that distinction. Ephesians 5 and Colossians 1. Ephesians 5 and Colossians 1. We'll do Ephesians 5 first. Look what it says in verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27. That he might present it to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The church of Jesus Christ is a glorious church. Because of that, we really should try to live our lives as holy as we can and without blemish. So that nothing we say, think, do or act. Brings any reproach to the cause of Christ. It's his church. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's Christ's. We're part of Christ's body. Colossians 1. Colossians 1 verse number 9. For this cause we also since the day we heard it. 
do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I'll tell you, I need that. I need to be filled with his wisdom. I need to be filled with his understanding. Because mine ain't cutting it. And I can't do this. You can't do this Christian life thing without God. That you might walk worthy of who? The Lord. And then it says, under all pleasing. It doesn't say some pleasing. It doesn't say the stuff that I feel like it's submitting to, Lord. And the stuff that I don't feel like submitting to, well, just don't worry about that. It's all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, I got to tell you, that's a loaded verse. And that's like some of those hymns we sing that we, after we sing them, we're like, man, should I have been singing that? Because that's real convicting. <laughs> and that's just one of those verses where, where it's like, man, Lord, every good work? Can't it be just the ones when I'm kind of on the clock for you? <laughs> that's a tough verse. That's a tough verse. Watch where our strength comes from. Strengthened with all might. According, here it is, to his glorious power. We have a glorious gospel that we preach. People are saved and then they are part of a glorious church. And then God says, in order to live like a Christian and do every good work and increase in the knowledge of God and walk worthy of the Lord. And be pleasing and be fruitful. You know what you're going to need? The glorious power of God. Or you and I won't be able to do it. It would be impossible. Verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father. Which hath made us meet. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. What did he do? Delivered us from the power of darkness. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's a real long sentence that goes to end somewhere. But if we don't have his glorious power, you might as well forget about air being your glory or not glory. Why I say that is because I don't want to be one of those guys that just, well, the externals don't matter. They do matter. But they don't matter as much as the internal. And the glory that you have comes from Christ, from his glorious gospel, from his glorious church, and from his glorious power. And we need to start there, and then the other peripherals fall in place. Following World War One, about the 1920s, the flappers movement became popular. That was a symbol of feminist fashion. And basically, the flappers were women who basically took on the image of the party girl. This was a feminist movement. They smoked in public. They drank in public. They danced in public. Now, 
we might have a hard time understanding that because we live in 2022. <laughs> and just people say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, it caused a big ruckus in 1920. <laughs> and you know what they started to do? The dresses got shorter. And you know what else got lower? Or you know what else got shorter? The neckline started to get lower and shorter. And along with that came, women are going to cut their hair off. All of that external, you know what came and was packaged in that? There was an attitude that went along with that. There was behavior that went along with that. It symbolized something. Their ultimate style statement in 1920s was, we're going to cut our hair. It was like, well, what's the big deal? It ain't a big deal now, but back then it was a big deal. What are you saying? I'm saying a lot of the stuff that we think and do we don't get from the Bible. We couldn't read the Bible cover to cover and come up with, well, guys should grow their hair long and women should cut their hair short. We wouldn't get that from the Bible. Now, every woman that has short hair, that doesn't mean she's a flapper. She doesn't mean she has that attitude. That's not the road we're going down. But I do say that to say, uh, but I do say that to ask you, to ask yourself questions. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Where do I get my fashion from? Where do I get my. The way I decorate myself. Do I get it from the Bible or do I get it from the fashion industry? Galatians 5.26. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. Provoking one another. Envying one another. I hope that's none of our heart intents. We don't want vain glory. We have a glorious gospel. We're part of a glorious church. We have the glorious power of God. Then the Bible says, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to glory in something? Glory in the cross. The glory and praise of God. Jude 25 says that the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion. And power. You want to give somebody praise and glory, give it to God. One more thought. We're a thought and a half here. Proverbs 16:31 says, The hoary head is a crown of glory. And I used to read that verse before studying this out. I used to read that verse as, Well, that's the gray haired and the white haired senior saint. And you know, their gray hair, their white hair, that's their glory. I don't know what you thought about the verse, but that's what I thought about. Except when I'm studying this, I'm reading the verse and reading it again. And watch what the rest of it said. The hoary head is a crown of glory, comma, if. And I never saw the word if there. I mean, I, I saw it. I read it. I just didn't take note of it. It says, if it be found in the way of righteousness. This isn't talking about hair length. This is talking about time length. You know how you get gray hair or white hair? You live long. <laughs> 
And somebody says, man, I, we, we know you've got some wisdom because you're older. But time length isn't the only thing in this principle in Proverbs 16. You don't measure your length of years because God says if you measure your length of years coupled with a life lived unblameable, a life lived without blemish, a life that was found in the way of righteousness. Now you've got a gray-haired, a white-haired senior saint that has lived in the way of righteousness. You ever meet somebody in their 30s and they look like they're in their 50s? You ever meet somebody in their 40s? You find out they're 40 and you thought they were in their 60s? Because a lot of times life beats you up. Somebody that has smoked their whole life, somebody that has drank their whole life, somebody that has just done wicked things their life, you can wipe out a decade just by living like that. Now, that's certainly not always the case. So I want to be careful and qualify that. Some people are stricken with the disease. Some people are stricken with an illness. And by no means am I trying to make light of any of that. What I'm trying to draw out is there is a lifestyle that would tend to wear your body out. And then there's a lifestyle that would give some saints that are younger in the faith somebody to go to and look up to and say, you know what? It's not just length of years. It's length of years in the way of righteousness. And that's a glorious thing. That's somebody you can learn from. That's somebody that if you got around, you just see that crown of glory. And what is it? It's their hair. Because it symbolizes that ain't a babe in Christ. That's somebody who's been down the road. And you're going through something? Probably a good idea to get with them. <laughs> they can help you. They can help you. Lastly, I'll say this. Luke 12, verse 7 says, But even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Let's put long hair aside. Let's put short hair aside. We probably won't get to this chapter for another five or six years, okay? So if it makes you uncomfortable, it makes me uncomfortable to preach it. So there, there you go. So let's put long hair versus short hair aside. Do you know how much God loves you? Every single hair on your head. Not only does God know about, but he has it accounted for. Now, that's some deep, intimate knowledge and love. That's number one. That's number two. That's number three. That, go ahead and try and count your hair. No offense to anybody that's struggling in that area, but you couldn't do it. You couldn't number the hair on your head. You couldn't. But I know somebody who can. 
And I know somebody who does. The Lord. That is how much he loves you. He knows every hair on your head. And he's got it accounted for. He's got it numbered. Now that's somebody that's worth serving. Somebody loves me that much. Somebody that did that much for me. That's somebody you can go to. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.